Morning everyone. Um, I hope you're enjoying the bank holiday. Praise the Lord for bank holidays. Uh, brilliant, aren't they? Um, I know some people, it doesn't affect them as much who are working shifts, so apologies if I'm rubbing it in, but for those of us um, who work Monday to Friday, it's, it really is a blessing uh, to have a bank holiday. So great to see everybody here. Great to, yeah, great to see you, Dominic. Post, post-pandemic, Dominic, so <laughs> lovely to see you, and uh, welcome to all uh, visitors, or welcome. Okay, so this morning, um, you may remember I was up here a few weeks ago. Can anybody remember what, what I was talking about? No. No. That's not a good sign, is it? The blood, that's right. We were going back to, ba- back to the basics, right? Back to the basics of our beliefs. And uh, really, the reason for it was, I-, I feel that if we get the basics right, the rest will flow. And um, I was trying to help Abraham. He's, he's been learning the guitar a bit, and I've really been trying to get him to learn, to get the basics right, get the chords right, get the timing right, the basic chords. Because from my own experience, as you can probably hear when I play the guitar, I didn't get the basics right. <laughs> and so you get those, uh, those habits stay with you for the rest of your, your, your career, shall we say. Um, and so, thanks. Um, so you, you, you really need to get the basics right. And if you get the basics right, it sets you up. It's that foundation that you have. And I think so often, there's so much in the Bible and there's so much in, in our new life as Christians to learn. There's so many exciting things to learn. We want to get on to the good stuff, don't we? Uh, we want to leave the basics behind, but it's so important that we get the basics right first, otherwise we kind of steer off course a bit. So it's back to the basics again uh, this morning. And just to, to recap, uh, we were talking about the blood a few weeks ago. And particularly, we're looking at in Romans, and we were looking at the book of Leviticus, um, and about atonement and how the blood was the only acceptable standard for forgiveness for God because he is holy okay so there was nothing more and nothing less than the blood and of course we can't meet that standard and so it's God's standard it's his blood and we just need to accept it okay it's his blood and that's what gives us uh, provides us forgiveness of sins that is what brings us peace with God. It's his blood. Okay? And so no matter what, what situation you're in and what you've done, um, the great verse which I love in Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 34. Now verse, let's start in verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So who is it that condemns? It's Jesus who is making an intercession for us on behalf of the Father. And who uh, should bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Okay? So all we need to be worrying about is 
God's standard, which we can't meet and we can't add to, it's the blood. Okay, so don't be worrying about condemnation. Just look to the blood. That's his standard. Let's just accept it for what it is. So as I said, we're going back to the basics and um, I, I'm, I'm drawing heavily from this book again by, by um, uh, one of those Christian giants in, in China uh, from the last century, uh, Watchman Nee, and it's called The Normal Christian Life. The normal Christian life, as if there was such a thing as a normal Christian life. <laughs> the normal Christian life is anything but normal, isn't it? But for the normal Christian life, the whole point of this is that most of us aren't living a normal Christian life. We think it's normal because everyone, else, every other Christian seems to be experiencing it as well. It's not a, it's not a, a life of victory. Uh, it's often a lot of struggles and we're going, oh, well, this, this is normal. You know, I keep getting defeated, but, you know, so does everybody else. And, and his point is that's not the normal Christian life. And um, it's not the way it's meant to be. And so we start with the basics. So no, to, to, to live the normal Christian life, we start with the basics. And as I said last, week, last time we were speaking, the blood, it's just so important. We need to get that down pat that it's the blood and nothing else can meet God's standard. And I mentioned last time that it is the blood that um, provides the forgiveness for what? Our sins. Okay, we have our sins. But there is another issue that we have aside from our sins, which is closely related, and it is sin, the na our sinful nature. And the blood doesn't deal with our sinful nature. It deals with our past, with our sins we still have this sinful nature inside of us. And they're going to be looking at Romans 1 to 8, well, primarily from, from the second part of Romans 1 to 8, uh, Romans 5 to, to 8. Um, and Romans 1 to 8 deals very much with, in the first four chapters, it deals with the issue of the forgiveness of sins the blood and the forgiveness of sins, okay? The second four chapters deals with the issue of our sinful nature. Okay, it doesn't really mention much about a sinner, being a sinner in chapters one to four, but in the second uh, four chapters, five to eight, it deals with our sinful nature. And that's what we're gonna be concentrating on over the next few weeks. And just by, just by way of background, so, um, the epistle to the Romans was by Paul, as we all know. It is probably his most famous epistle, certainly one of his longest. That Between that and Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, they're, they're kind of two longest epistles. And it's a letter, essentially, to the church in Rome. And Rome at the time was the, you know, wasn't just the center, if you like, of civilization. It was... Um, a huge, huge city. It was so important for the whole empire. And there were a lot of Christians in Rome, both Christians who were Jewish and then Christians who were what we call Gentiles. They had no Jewish background. Okay? So there was, there was different churches within Rome and there was mixtures of, of Christians and Jews. And Paul is writing this letter. The primary purpose of the letter is to lay down um, 
teaching, the, the theology as we call it, understanding of what Christi the Christian doctrine, the doctor, Christian doctrine is. But in, in, in the background, we have Jews, we can see that we have Jews who are kind of saying, looking down at the noses at the Jewish Christians, looking down at the noses at the, the Gentile Christians, because they're not uh, obeying the law. Okay, and so Paul has to deal with that, and he kind of partly deals with that in, in, in these passages here, explaining uh, the, the significance of the law and how we're not under the law anymore. anymore. And so it's all about Jesus. So that's just the, the background. Um, but today I specifically want us to look, in, in terms of our basics, is what it means to be in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? So there's a, there's, a, there's a term or an expression that we hear so much, it almost just kind of goes over our head. In Christ, we use it a lot, but what does it actually mean? So it's another basic that we're going to look at in this normal Christian life. So I'm going to be concentrating on, on Romans chapter 5, but we'll be looking at a few other verses as well. So let's turn to Romans uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, our peace comes from the Lord, with God, comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith, justified by the blood of Jesus. So we have that peace. We know we have that peace. And as I said, that is the basic foundation. But Romans is not just dealing with our salvation, our justification. It also is dealing with our behavior. So in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so, also we should walk in the newness of life. Okay, so the first four chapters are dealing with our peace with God, our, our salvation. But God is also wants to look at, and Paul in, in his letter to the Romans, wants to deal with our behavior thereafter. And he's quite critical in particular of the, I think the Jewish Christians, they're kind of um, criticizing and judging the Hebrew Christians, but their own conduct is not acceptable. And so we have this peace. We get this peace from, from the blood of Jesus. But what about our behavior? So when you become a Christian, it's great, you're saved, hallelujah. But soon enough, 
I would say most of us lose that peace. We don't have peace with ourselves. We no longer have dread with God. No, God is no longer a source of dread, but we always have a dread with ourselves because we realize that we're not really doing everything we're meant to be doing. Romans 7 is a, is, is a famous passage and it talks about how um, <clears throat> we do what we do not want to, want to do. For in verse 19 it says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. So we become a Christian, we become saved, and it's great. And then we find we're, we, we want to do God's will, right? We really do want to do it, but we end up failing as often as not. So if you are only know the peace of God with respect to your salvation, your behavior is still, you're still struggling with your behavior, then you're not really living the normal Christian life. Yes, you have salvation. Yes, you, you, your, your eternity is, is, is secure, but you're not really living the normal Christian life. It's a sub, subnormal life. But for many of us, it's your typical Christian life. And the blood can't deal with that. But we see here in Romans, what the blood can't do, deal with, the cross deals with. Okay, so let's think about that for a second. The blood deals with our sins. The cross deals with the sinner. So there's going to be a bit of theology in here, okay? So, but do, do, do bear with me because, you know, Paul doesn't want to just have a, um, a letter about doctrine. He wants to make it very practical. But sometimes we have to get the, the basic foundation right before we can see the practical outworking of it. So the blood deals with the sins. The cross deals with the sinner. So what makes a sinner a sinner? This. What do you say, Sam? Sin. What do you mean by sin? Uh, Your badness. So, so is is a sinner someone who sins? Yeah. Wrong. (laughs) 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 But yeah, okay. A sinner is a sinner. Obviously, sins, right? But is that what makes him a sinner? No. Yeah. You don't know. It's you're onto something. You're onto something. So we're going to read. Um, this is the main passage for this morning, Romans chapter five, uh, starting at verse twelve. Therefore, just as one man through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And that open brackets, this is the longest open brackets I've ever seen. Bracken. 
Therefore, let's just start again. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. Well, that means it's not accounted for. There's, there's not a debt, if you like. Sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, according to Adam's sin, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offence. For if by the one man's offence many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from, from one offence resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offences resulted in justification. For if by one man's offence that reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will, let, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offence judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded more, much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there and we won't go into it all. But to Jane's point and to this passage, it is saying that we're sinners because we've inherited our sin nature, the sin nature of Adam, the first man, Adam. Through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. We're born sinners. And we know that, but sometimes we, we can lose, lose sight of it. And so when you sin, it's not the cause of you being a sinner, it's evidence that you're a sinner. Does that make sense? It shows that you're a sinner. It's not the cause of you. The cause of you being a sinner is that you have a sinful nature that you inherited. And um, in his book, Watchman Lee says, a Chinese man who was born in America is still ethnically a Chinese man because he inherited that. He inherited from his, from his fathers and forefathers. And this is, if you like, the root of a problem. When we try to overcome sin, we think, okay, we've done something, like we do bad things, but generally we're not so bad as a person. We just, sometimes we do, we do fail, okay? But that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that we have inherited our sinful nature from Adam, and we are, we are, intrinsically, basically sinful. That's our nature. We have the, the sinful nature of Adam. 
And so when we become a Christian, <clears throat> we're more concerned with doing the right thing. You become a Christian, then you want to do the right thing, rather than being. Okay? And the problem is, if we're concerned with doing the right thing, we've still got this sinful nature, we trip up a lot. So we try to be humble, we try to smile, um, we try to be gracious, but inside we're gritting our teeth. You know, it's, it's, it's an effort because our sinful nature is still there. And so, in essence, we are part of a race, the Adam's race, the Adamic race, I think they call it, that is basically different from what God intended. So when God created Adam, he intended for a relationship. But when Adam sinned, he brought in this sinful nature. And so we are part of a race that is different to what God intended. And so God has to do something about it. I'll give you one example. In my own history, um, I had a great-grandmother who was um, very wealthy at one point in her life. Unfortunately, um, that wealth didn't last. Uh, but she was very wealthy at one point in life. And I remember being at, a, I think, a funeral. And I'm, I cannot vouch 100% for this story, but I'm almost certain I was told this story as, as a young person, that my great-grandmother had a... Uh, she had a daughter who was my grandmother, and, but she had a ticket for the Titanic. And my, grand, my grandmother, who was just a, a little girl at the time, uh, got, got sick. And so my great-grandmother could not go um, on, on the Titanic. And um, so, obviously, I'm here now. <laughs> much, much to your disappointment, I'm here now. But the point, the point of it is, is that our existence, if you like, you know, is dependent on um, our, our bloodline, our, our forefathers there, and et cetera. Um, and I'm a, McCorm I'm a McCormick, okay? I haven't done anything to be a McCormick. That's what I am. I'm a McCormick because of my, my, uh, my ancestry. And it's the same with our sinful nature. We inherit it. That's, that's who we are. Nothing that can be done about it. That's, we just inherit it. So we derive our nature from Adam. So, so far, so bad. <laughs> it's, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? That we have this sinful nature and um, we've inherited from Adam and there's really nothing we can, we can do about it. But fortunately, this passage in Romans chapter 5 tells us not only about Adam, it tells us about Christ. And the terms in Adam and in Christ are, are very, very much mis misunderstood. Another uh, very quick example I'll give you is in, in Hebrews. And I'm really hammering the point home here, so apologies. Just because you didn't remember my last sermon. So. <laughs> um, in Hebrews chapter... There's a chapter. Hebrews 
was Hebrews 4. Ah, sorry. Um, Hebrews chapter 7. And it talks about King Melchizedek. Now, I don't know how, how many of you are familiar with King Melchizedek, but he's a very um, interesting and, and almost mysterious character in the Bible, in the book of Genesis in particular. Um, he appears on the scene after the Battle of the Kings. So there were a group of kings had a, had a battle, and um, Abram came, and, and he, he intervened, and then King, King Melchizedek, Kizedek came and he had sort of a, a supper, uh, like a bread and wine supper with um, Abraham. He's a very mysterious king, but many see him as a type of Jesus. And in, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about Jesus being of the order of King, Mil king Melchizedek. And the writer to the Hebrews is comparing the priestly order of the king Melchizedek to the priestly order of uh, Levi. And he's saying, which, which priestly order is better? Is it the Levitical priesthood or the Melchizedek priesthood? And in verse 4 of chapter 7, he says, Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham, Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. So Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. And indeed, those who are of the, of the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he, he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. So could, to cut a long story short on that, what it was saying is that Abraham offered tithes to King Melchizedek. And in Abram's loins, so to speak, was Levi. Because Abram, from Abram would come Jacob, would come Isaac, um, and, and would, would come Isaac, would come Jacob, and would come Levi. So Levi, if you like, was a descendant. He was a descendant of Abraham. But Abram was almost representing him. Levi was in his loins, and he was offering tithes to King, Mil King Melchizedek, okay? And so the point was that it was like Levi, even though Levi wasn't born, he was offering tithes to King, King Melchizedek, which was proof that King Melchizedek was greater than Levi, or the, the priesthood of King Melchizedek, the, the royal priesthood of Jesus, if you like, ultimately Jesus was of the line of, of King Melchizedek, was greater than the Levitical priesthood. Okay? So the, but the point is um, that, again, it's all about our inheritance, our, our lineage. Okay? So, he, so we are in Adam. Levi, if you like, was in Abraham. Um, and he, Abraham was lesser than, or the Levitical priesthood was lesser than, than the um, Melchizedek priesthood. But we are in Adam. And so, again, everything comes down from, from Adam. But then the Bible says we are in Christ. We are in Christ. 
to what does, what does that look like? And what is the relevance of that for our day-to-day living? Paul is, is quite clear in chapter 6, verse 1, it's, it should be relevant. Because in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer to it? And so, it shouldn't just be a, a doctrine. Right? It should be something that affects our daily lives. And as uh, Watchman Nee says, since we came in by birth, we must go out by death. Okay? And it's the same with our nature. Our sinful nature came in by birth. We were born descendant of, of Adam, but it must go out by death. Death is the secret of our, of our freedom. And in, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 2, how, it says, certainly not, how shall we who died to sin live any longer to it? One of my favorite uh, programs going up, growing up as a kid I don't know how many of you saw it uh, when you were growing up. Was Ripley's Believe It or Not? Does anyone, anyone, you, you, you remember seeing that? Ripley's Believe It or Not? It was a great pr- program. It was basically all these bizarre stories around the world, which were actually true. And they have, they actually have like a Guinness Book of Records, Ripley's Believe It or Not, annual now every year, and it gives all these bizarre stories around the world, uh, which are actually true. And it's called Ripley's Believe It or Not. And the whole point of it is. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. It may be absolutely unbelievable, but it's actually true. It actually happened. And this is a Ripley's Believe It or Not moment. It really is. Romans is saying that you have died to sin. Okay? Whether you believe it or not, whether you're... Your experience says, yeah, I have died to sin, or not. That is what the Bible says. You have died to sin. If you're in Christ, you have died to sin. So how do we die? Is it by killing ourselves? Beating ourselves up? How do we die? It's by recognizing that God has dealt with us already. He's dealt with our sinful nature in Christ. He's dealt with already in Christ. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30, it says, You are in Christ. God has put us into Christ. We can't get into Christ. We can't put ourselves in. He's already put us in. We don't have to try. Second Corinthians chapter 2, 
Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, One died for all, and all have died. So when did we die? When did we die? Was it when we became a Christian? You're too quick with the answers. You need to think. <laughs> Was it when we became a Christian? Were <laughs> we baptized? We died when he was crucified. Okay, so the, the, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. The cross gives us deliverance from our, our sinful nature. When he was crucified, so were, so were we. And that's not just a doctrine, it's a fact. It's a Ripley's, believe it or not, fact. We died 2,000 years ago uh, with Jesus on the cross. So just going back to this Adam and um, in Adam and, and Christ bit, Let's, I just want to read First uh, Corinthians fifteen forty-five to forty-seven. And so it is written: the first Adam became a living being. First man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is Lord from heaven. So we have this Adam, Adamic race. Jesus was crucified as the last Adam. And we have died with him as the last Adam. The second ma man, the new man, is the head of a new race. And that race started with the, re with the resurrection of Jesus. So our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. When you think about it, when we sin, right, we don't have to think about sinning. How, we, how do we go about sinning, right? It just comes naturally, doesn't it? Lose your temper comes naturally. Lying comes naturally, etc., etc., etc. Right? And that's because we are in Adam. Similarly, when we're in Christ, all that new nature comes to us by free grace, by simple faith. By simple faith. I'm just going to go back to Romans for a minute. I appreciate this is this is a bit 
maybe feels a bit theoretical. And it is at the moment. But it is important. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more, that no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lived, life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to, to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So we have died with Christ. And just as we can't, we can't have our justification, we can't have our salvation until we see Jesus bearing our sins on the cross. We understand that he bears our sins. We can't, until we understand that, we can't have our justification. In the same way, we cannot have our deliverance from the sin that we struggle with every day until we see Jesus bearing us on the cross. So when you received forgiveness, when you became a Christian, what did you do? Did you say, oh, I believe God will save me? No, you thanked God because he has saved you. It's happened. It's done. It's a history. Okay? And similarly, God has given us a new, na a new nature. We don't say to him, God, I'm a very wicked person. Please crucify me. He's done it already on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, Christ died for us. While we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, our old man was crucified with him. And six, chapter 6, verse 8 says, we died with Christ. So it's historical. It happened. It's a, it is a Ripley's, believe it or not. It's very hard to comprehend. But our old man has actually died with Jesus on the cross. And on what, ba what basis do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Is it on your feelings? Nope. It's based on the Word of God, isn't it? Our beliefs that Jesus died for our sins is based on the Word of God. You look at the two thieves on the cross. We all believe that they died with Jesus. They were crucified with Jesus. It's historical. We know what happened. Okay. On the same basis, 
the word of God, we believe that we died with Jesus on the cross. Our old self died with Jesus on the cross. And was even more intimate than the, than the, uh, the two thieves. Because we died with Jesus, not, not on separate crosses. On the same cross that Jesus died, we, our sinful nature, our old man died. It doesn't depend on your feelings. So, it, so whether you feel like a victorious Christian or not, it doesn't matter. The history tells us, and the word of God tells us, that we died, our old self died with Jesus on the cross. So just like our salvation, we don't earn it, the same, our deliverance, we don't earn it. It's what Jesus has done on the cross. And God's way of deliverance is very different to ours. So what, we, what does man do to try to overcome, he, to suppress sin, tries to overcome it with our strength, don't we? But God's way is to remove the sinner. Not to try and overcome the sin, it's to remove the sinner. We often pray, Lord, if I only were stronger, give me strength to overcome this sin. Okay? But God's way is to make us weaker and weaker. The old man, weaker and weaker. That we don't, he doesn't strengthen the old man, he crucifies him. And that should bring our human strength and self-effort to an end. Now, that seems like a very ambitious or very um, unrealistic to many of us, more our experience, doesn't it? That our sinful nature has been crucified and we have this new nature. We're part of this new race. But it is the word of God. It is the word of God. And I know what's just been spoken about probably raises more questions than answers. Okay? Because you're thinking, okay, well, you know, well, why do I keep sinning? Etc., etc. Right? Um, and, that, and that's fair enough. But the first, I believe, and I believe it's, it's, it's scriptural, the first step to having this deliverance from the, the, the struggles of sin that we have, to leading a normal Christian life, is knowing what actually happened on the cross. We actually, our old self did die on the cross. Okay? Over the next couple of sessions that, that, that I have talking about this, we'll go more into kind of the practical outworking of this, okay? Um, you know, it's great in theory, but what does it look like in practice? But the first thing I think we do need to understand is that it's not a case of become a Christian, struggle, do my best, and hopefully I'll get through, through life. That's not what God wanted. He wanted to create a completely new race. A completely new race, okay? Not the old Adamic race, the new race that is in Christ. And we are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, just like if I put 
If I put my notes in this book, and I sent this book off to um, America, the notes will go with it. So anything that is true, true of the book is true of the notes as well. Okay, so if Jesus died and crucified on, on the cross, it says we died with him. So we are in Christ. It's not just a, a nice phrase, we are in Christ. It has real implications. I know that's been a bit heavy, um, but I do, uh, do pray that we um, even just meditate on that uh, over the next week, that we are actually in Christ and that our old nature has been crucified. And over the, the coming weeks, we kind of work out what does that mean in, in practice. Okay? Father, uh, thank you for your word. That is true, Lord. I, um, forgive me, Lord, if I haven't articulated it according to the way you want it, Lord. But I, I do pray that the truth um, that we are in Christ um, will sink into our hearts, Lord. And I pray over the next um, coming weeks, Lord, that we'll be able to fully understand that in, in practical terms, Lord. Um, we don't just want to, to learn doctrine, Lord. We want to learn the practical application of it. But Lord, first of all, we want to learn the truth. And the, your word says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so, Lord, I do pray um, that you will just use your word this morning uh, to bring deliverance for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.